We all know the song, most of us know the song, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, I want to see you. We know that song well. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, I want to see you. And I pray this morning that God will open our hearts, but also open our eyes to see him as we meditate on his word this morning. Every time I open my Bible, I am so amazed. I have been blown away by God. I pray that we will discover what God has in store for our lives as we open his word and meditate on it. This morning, I want to start with a question. And again, I'm, as always, I'm excited to preach God's word. But I have to start with this question. I want you to think with me. When was the last... When was the last time you looked at a certain situation in your life and you said or you thought, this is an impossible situation? And you just shake your head because you don't see a way out. Helpless, hopeless, desperate, depressed, or just frustrated. How many of you know what I'm talking about right here? Now, I want you to think of that impossible situation, and it may very well be a person. And maybe a situation that you are going through right now. But I want you and encourage you to listen to what God's Word says. Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, Our sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Jeremiah 32, 27, it says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? Luke 1, 37, I'm reading from the New uh, American Standard Version. 137, it says, nothing is impossible or nothing will be impossible with God. Luke 18, 27, Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Not once, not twice, not even three times, but four times in the word of God, it says almost the same thing. Nothing is impossible with God. The word is nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. And that's the title of my sermon this morning. Nothing is impossible with God. And I want us to just meditate on that for a few moments. Because here's the thing. Your understanding of you comes from your understanding of who your God is. The way you live your life depends on your understanding of who your God is. If you think your God is a small God, then you will think and live a small life. Or you live life smaller than God wants you to live. If you don't have the right understanding of God, and I choose my words carefully here, I'm not saying if you have a, I'm not saying a complete understanding of God, but I'm saying 
if you don't have the right understanding of God, you will live a faulty life and live with a faulty faith. I know Tony most has a business with with fences, and I was here, I mean I was in and out when they were doing the fences out here. What happens if the fence post is not straight and it's at an angle and then you pour concrete in there? What's going to happen to your fence? You're not going to have a straight fence if your pole or your post is not straight. It's the same thing with God. If you don't have the right understanding of God, your life is not going to be straight. It's going to be faulty. If your understanding of God comes from the world's opinion of what God should be like, you will live a frustrated and un or dissatisfied life. Here's the problem with the world, church, and I can say this with almost certainty that it's alarming the number of people in church who have the same kind of problem. Their understanding of God comes from what they think God ought to be like. We find this in the church now more than ever before. A lot of Christians would think the same way because their understanding of God comes from what they think God ought to be like. They start with man and then they, they reason upwards to get an understanding of who God is rather than starting with God and accept his revelation that he gives to us through his word. Let me explain this a little more because here is the problem, church. Because we start with us and then reason our way upwards, we begin to view God as a God who only exists for me because we become the center of everything. God becomes a God of my needs, my physical needs, my emotional needs. You know, God exists just to take care of me. But on the other hand, we as believers ought to begin with God. Our understanding of God needs to begin with God and accept His revelation of us found in the pages of Scripture, even though we might not understand it all. That's where we begin, church. And this morning, I want to draw our attention or draw your attention to one of the aspects of of God that is found in Scripture. And like we just read, not once, not twice, but four times in Scripture, Nothing is impossible with God. God is a God who specializes in impossibilities. Now, I realize some of you may, may say, you know, that's a great cliche and that's a great church line and that's a good line to say if you want to hear everybody say amen. Nothing is impossible with God and everybody says Amen. But let's be real, Pastor said, let's be real, let's be practical. There's no way out of this for me. This morning, let me challenge you, let me encourage you, and let me remind you that the Bible says, the Bible says nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Slow down a minute, because when you write off a person or a situation as impossible, you are viewing things from a human perspective. And understanding God from your perspective rather than allowing the word of God to reveal how big your God is in the midst of that situation. Slow down and think with me. 
I ask you to think about a situation. Slow down and think with me. Is your God too small for that situation? If you allow God, church, and I say this sincerely, if you allow God to be God, you will pray as you should pray. Or you ought to pray. You will not worry as much as you worry right now. And you will live a life the way God wants you to live your life. Just allow God to be God. Turn with me to Luke chapter 18. And I want to look at some events that Luke puts together here. And it's, it's, really, it's, it's, it's really interesting the way he plays it out here. And I'm going to look at it from a little different perspective. From the perspective of impossible situations. Impossible situations. I'm going to go back and forth from the NIV and the NASB. So bear with me. Chapter 18. I'm going to pick up from verse 2. It says, he said, Jesus is teaching them. It's a parable. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Adversary, there you go. The judge, is kind of interesting that saying there, because the judge didn't fear God and didn't care about what man thought. It's hard dealing with people like that, because really, they, don't, they, don't, they do whatever they want to, basically, right? Because they don't have any kind of conscience and they don't care about doing the right thing because they don't fear God. And then they don't care about what people think about them or they don't care about being popular. All they are is thinking about themselves. And then there's this widow in the story and she faces an impossible situation and she comes to this, lack of another word, narcissistic judge for protection against someone or something that's happening. We don't know the details, the Bible doesn't tell us the details, but all we can infer is that the situation is she's in a vulnerable situation and that somebody is trying to take advantage of her in some way or the other. And so she's helpless, she can't change things on her own, and she needs an authority figure to intervene. And she comes to this judge who really doesn't care about anything at all other than himself. You can say she was faced with an impossible situation from both sides, from two sides. She couldn't take care of the trouble by herself. That was an impossibility. And she's going to a judge who didn't care about anything else. And that's an impossibility too. And so she was in an impossible situation. But read what it says in verse 4. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself... Even though I don't fear God or care what people think. Verse 5. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I laugh every time I read that part. So so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Another translation says that she won't wear me out. And we men sometimes understand what this guy is going through, right? You don't want to stand in the way of a determined woman. I'm not talking about Heather. I'm just making a general comment there. I need to stop before I get in trouble. This lady's not going to let go at all. 
I mean, I can picture him, you know, he opens the blinds of his house and good old Sally's standing there. Hey, Judge, how you doing this morning? <laughs> He's annoyed. She's always there and what happens? He finally gives her the protection she needs. Why? Because she did not quit. Another translation said she was persistent. Now, this isn't a story. It's a parable. It's not a story of a real judge or a real widow somewhere in Israel. No. It's a story. Verse 1 tells us it's a story about prayer. But the point isn't that you have to come and keep whining and, and then God will finally get so annoyed that he'll give you what you want. That's not the point of the story here. Here's the thing I want you to pay attention to. When you face an impossible situation, you don't quit praying. Amen. When you face an impossible situation, you or we don't quit praying. There are two kinds of people who quit praying. Those who lose heart. And I sympathize with them. But there's also a second group who are too proud to pray. Well, God knows what I need. I don't want to bother him every day. Church, that's pride. And I sympathize with those people too. But here's the point. When faced with an impossible situation and you have tried and tried and tried to get things to change or to get some, someone's attention or, or to see justice being done and nothing seems to happen, it seems impossible, don't quit praying. Why? Because nothing is impossible with our God. Hallelujah. Nothing is impossible with our God. Don't lose heart and quit praying. Don't be too proud to persist in prayer because God honors persistence in prayer. The God who does the impossible will open that door, will change that heart, will give you that breakthrough that you thought was impossible. Remember, nothing is impossible with God. The second story right after that, First one's about this widow. The second story is about two people, two men. Verse 10. I'm going to pick up from verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now back in those days, if you wanted to be known as the most rotten sinner, all you had to be is choose to be a tax collector. Almost everybody, if you asked, hey, who's the most rotten sinner in town? And almost everybody would point, hey, Zacchaeus. That's it. He was known for what? To exploit people. The tax collector was guilty of extortion. He was dishonest, a fraud, cheated people. I mean, he did. He was most likely a Jew, almost all the time. They were most likely a Jew who bought his position from the Romans. Yes, he collected taxes for the Romans, but he definitely charged a little more, you know. Skimmed a little off the top. We know that part. Daylight robbery, I don't know. He lined his own pockets at the expense of the people around him. Everybody knew it, but they couldn't do anything about it. Why? Because he had the Romans in his pocket, right? He became the most despised and hated person in town. Everybody hated him. So you have, a, on one side, you have this Pharisee who looks so righteous and sounds so righteous. And on the other side, you have this tax collector who's so, so, so sinful. Total opposite of each other. And they both come to the temple to pray. 
The Pharisees stood, and Jesus says, the Pharisees stood and began praying in this regard. I'm reading from the New American Version here. The Pharisees stood and began praying this in regard to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, crooked, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay my tithe of all that I get. You know, I like it. Somehow God needed to be reminded how self-righteous this guy was. <laughs> they both come to the temple to pray. Guess the Pharisee likes to hear himself pray, right? But his prayer makes you, makes me want to gag, really. Because it reeks of self-righteousness. Now we may cringe at that, but sometimes our attitude when we come to God in prayer is pretty self-righteous, if I can say so. It gets pretty self-righteous, especially when we kind of demand and command God to do something for us. Why? Because, you know, I paid my tithes and I fast twice a week. We have our own list of stuff that we did. Now God better answer what I have to ask for. Can you imagine? <laughs> I would struggle. If I was standing beside someone and someone prayed like that, I would struggle to hit him. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, to not hit him. Sorry. Jeez. But here's the thing. Every single thing that the Pharisee said about the tax collector was true. Was he speaking the truth? Yes, he was. You need to be careful. Speaking the truth may just be another form of self-righteousness. I'm not going to go down there, but it was true. He was all of it. I mean, forget about hoping that God would answer his prayer because honestly, he had done nothing to earn even God's attention or favor. Nothing that he did. He's standing there guilty as charged, but listen to his prayer what does it say? He doesn't even have the strength to lift his eyes towards heaven. Beats his chest saying, God, be merciful on me, a sinner. It's amazing because we know who Jesus acknowledges, right? That sinful tax collector. God, I'm a mess. I'm guilty. I'm not here demanding anything, but I come to you humbly, totally dependent on your grace and your mercy. Impossible for someone that unrighteous, so sinful, deserving of punishment. It's impossible for someone like that to get God's attention, yet we know who Jesus commands at the end of it. You may think it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Verse 14, it says, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other one. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Church, you get it? Do you see how God works here? You may think that person is an impossibility because he just mocks God, curses God, and everything else. You may write him off, but you are seeing things from your perspective when you need to be seeing things from God's perspective. Yeah. And then just stand in awe and see the work God does in a sinner's life. Any tax collectors in churches today? 
I think I need to put my hand up first because I am a worthless sinner totally dependent on God's grace and mercy. I don't say this because I have low self-esteem. It's because I know who I am and I know who my God is. Without Him, I am nothing. I'm almost sure if we had to if we had to take everything we have done, said, or thought and, and, and put it on the screen behind us, I know for me, you'd see me go red through my brown skin. <laughs> and I guarantee I won't be the only person who's embarrassed if you put your story up there either. I know who I am and I know who my God is. He takes my sin that, you know, and it separates, what is it, as east as from the west. Takes my sin, my shame, my guilt, throws it into this lake and puts that no fishing sign there anymore. He forgets it. Mm-hmm. How can we not be grateful Amen. for what God has done for us? How can we be a Pharisee and be so self-righteous and demand God do things for us instead of falling on our knees and our face? And trusting Him. Nothing is impossible with God. Please do not write people off. Please do not write people off. Again, I don't live in self-condemnation. And I don't want any of us to live in condemnation either. Because whenever you, you think, and let me say this. Whenever you think you are good enough, You're thinking from your perspective and not God's perspective because you are never going to be good enough. If I can say something this morning, it's hard for a lot of us to identify with the tax collector because we've been taught to be like a Pharisee and do the right thing growing up in church. Now, please, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying don't do the right thing. Go do your own thing. I'm not saying that at all. But please realize that all your good is what? Filthy what? Rags. You are as miserable a sinner as anybody else in this room. But for a God who takes what's impossible and says all things are possible. That's it. When you start comparing and you start thinking from man's perspective. When you start comparing, you're automatically thinking from man's perspective. Mm-hmm. Not God's perspective. I'll be honest, pastoring for years, and I've been and met with people who've, who've said to me, Pastor, if you only knew everything I did or everything I do, you'll understand how I feel. And It's true. Now let me say this. If you get caught up with only what you do and what you have done and not focus on a God who can undo a lot of what you have done. Now, yes, you still bear the consequences of choices we make, but we believe in a God who does the impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. If you think you are an impossibility, can God love someone like me? Let me remind you, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. If you don't feel good enough for God, let me tell you, that's a good place to be. Because we will never be good enough for God. Except for His grace and His mercy. 
I don't want you, please hear me out here, I don't want you to live in guilt or under condemnation. You may say, you know, God doesn't want anything to do with me because I'm just a miserable sinner. I want you to remember, nothing is impossible with God. Don't write yourself off and don't write people off. Because nothing is impossible with God. Real quick, let's go to the next section here. Verse 15, it says, They will bring in, sorry, they will bring in babe, even their babies to him. They were, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Verse 16, Jesus called the children to him, but, Je but Jesus called the children. Don't miss the but. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder, the, hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now, I don't know about you, but as soon as I was reading that, I had this picture in my mind of Aiden and Amara running and doing whatever they wanted to do. Jesus is doing all his miracles and he's doing all his teaching, you know, and you can, I can totally picture Amara and Aiden doing, putting on the show at the side there. You know, pulling, pushing, fighting, tugging at people's clothes, running into Jesus, knocking him over, I don't know, wiping the boogers in the disciples' robes, I don't know. <laughs> it's kids being kids. You can picture these kids, you know, the parents are kind of trying to hold their hands and they're squirming to get out. Parents are dragging them into, uh, to Jesus and the disciples, of course, get mad and they chase them away. I love what the message translation says. The message says, though disciples shoo them away. I totally get that picture. Like, like get out of here. Don't knock him over. It, man, I keep telling Nathan, you will knock someone over. Hey, get them out of here. He's too busy. Hey, he's trying to talk. He's trying to do some miracles. Whoa, he's the king of kings, creator of the universe. He's too busy. I mean, he's busy stopping World War III. Get these kids out of here. Mm -hmm. Jesus calls them back. Hey, don't get between me and the kids because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Unless you accept the kingdom of God with the simplicity of a child, you will never get in. That's what the Bible is saying, not me. Unless you accept the kingdom of God with the simplicity of a child, you will never get in. Church, listen to me. You may say that's impossible. God, the creator of this huge, majestic universe, he's interested in small and significant things like kids. Absolutely, yes. yes amen. Because with God, nothing is impossible. You may think it's impossible. I'm a nobody. Does he still care about me? The answer is yes. When you start thinking it's impossible, you're thinking from your perspective. You're not thinking from God's perspective because with God, nothing is impossible. From a human perspective, it's impossible. But from God's perspective, nothing is impossible. I was called to speak at a meeting a few years back, and all the people in the room, I guarantee, had an IQ way better than mine. <laughs> they all had their PhDs and doctors and engineers and extremely rich. And I walked in there, and it kind of hit me immediately. I was so intimidated. 
you know, I really felt like a nobody. And I struggled. And they, they, they asked me to come and speak to this group of people. And I used the restroom even when I didn't need to go to the restroom. <laughs> I just had to go <laughs> fix everything about me, man. And then I had to snap out of it. I was just looking in the mirror. I had to snap out of it. God doesn't love them more than just because they're smarter than me. He loves me just because of who I am. He loves me just the way I am. I'm really, I mean, I'm there thinking, you know, I'm a nobody. But you realize that he died for a nobody. And that makes me somebody. That's the truth. We struggle with insignificance. A lot of people struggle with insignificance. We think it's impossible for God of this big universe to care for someone as insignificant as me. But the truth is this, it's not impossible with God. All things are possible. All things are possible. I'm a nobody. I don't have the degrees. I don't drive the fancy cars. I don't live in the fancy houses. I don't wear all these designer stuff. So what? You may think it's impossible for God to notice you because you're just living in one small corner of Grand Prairie or wherever in Texas. I mean, he can't miss Texas. It's so big anyway. So, <laughs> But you get the point here, church. You may think it's impossible for God to even think about you, but God, with God, everything is possible because he knows the number of hair you have on your head. You may think it's impossible. It's impossible for me to think that God really cares for me. Let me tell you, you matter to God. You matter to God because what you see as an impossibility, God says all things are possible. You may seem like a person who can never be loved, but God can and will love you. Let me tell you again, you may see it's impossible or think it's impossible. And you probably, we don't have the capacity to sometimes understand, you know, wrap our minds around this. But the truth is this, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. You may feel like your life doesn't matter. You may feel small, inadequate, insignificant. I can keep going, but hear me out today. You matter to God. You matter to God. If you ever get a chance, you need to read this book by, by Francis Schaeffer, a brilliant preacher and theologian, philosopher. He wrote this book called No Little People, and it's, it's one of my favorite books that transformed the way I, I live my life. It's basically 16, 16 sermons put together. Like I said, it really challenges my life, and one of the things he says is, you know how Christian leaders... You know, seek position of significance with honest in- intentions of having greater influence for the kingdom of God. Let me, put this, let me put this again. A lot of Christian leaders seek positions of significance with honest intentions of having greater influence for the kingdom of God. But he says scripturally, that's backwards. What a Christian ought to do is seek position of least significance till God forces them out into a position of greater influence. That's so true. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians and Christian leaders, you know, we have it backwards. We, we look for this, that area of significance, you know, so that I can be positions of significance. But let me tell you that, that's not where God wants us to be. Those who are humble, He exalts. 
You may feel insignificant. There's no way and may think there's no way I matter to God because I'm a nobody. But let me say it again. Get the right perspective of God. Nothing is impossible with God. Get the right perspective of God. The next section, real fast, we'll finish up real soon. A ruler, this is about the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. You know, and he, he comes to Jesus and asks the question, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It's kind of interesting. What should I, I do to inherit? He went wrong right there itself, you know. What can I do to inherit? You can't do anything, boy. But, but Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you know, do not do this, do not do this, do not do this, and everything else. He keeps going, and what is this guy? He kind of brags, you know, I've kept all of those since I was a kid. And then Jesus hears this and says, what? One thing you lack, sell all that you possess and distribute the money to the poor, and what? You will have all the treasures in heaven, and then come, what? Follow me. Verse 23, it says, but when he heard this, he became very sad, for he he was extremely wealthy. Another translation, I think it says he was downcast. Please, Jesus has nothing against having wealth. And the problem with this person wasn't that he controlled wealth. It was that the wealth controlled him. That's why he walks away disappointed. Anyway, it's kind of interesting there. What should I do? You can't do anything to inherit, inherit eternal life. The problem, you know, he thought he could earn his way to heaven. That's not how it's going to happen. But anyway, I want to draw your attention to the next part that I think is significant. Peter One of the few times he says something that's really good, actually, because normally when he opens his mouth in the Gospels, he messes it up. Peter says, Lord, we have left our homes and followed you. Left our own homes and followed you. He said to them, Jesus replies to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times as much as this and in the age to come eternal life. Where am I going with this? Peter basically says, Lord, I've given up everything for you. I've given up everything for you. How am I going to make it? How are we going to make it? For Peter, it seems impossible. But with God, all things are possible. When you make that decision to step out in faith, it may not be a popular decision. It may be a decision when you're all alone. You may be walking all alone for a while. You may not see a way ahead. You may not see how things are going to fall into place. It may seem impossible to take that step of faith. But please remember, church, with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. When he calls you, To step out in faith and do something that you thought is impossible. When he calls you to step out in faith and start living your life in a certain way that you know is not popular. And may not, doesn't look like everything is light up right in front of you. Trust God because he is a God who who thrives in the impossible situations in your life. With God, all things are possible. Don't stop. Don't get scared to take that step of faith. How's it going to happen, God? With God, all things are possible. I don't see how my needs are going to be met. With God, all things are possible. I don't know how that relationship is going to change if I do this. With God, all things are possible. God, I don't know how I'm going to take care of myself and my kids if I do this. With God, 
all things are possible. When you make the decision to forsake everything else and live according to what His Word says, with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. As we end this morning, I've got to ask a couple of questions, and I know I started with it in the beginning. You don't need to turn into scripture or anything else, but think with me. I implore you, think with me. How big is your God? How big is your God? Your understanding of God shapes the way you live your life. How big is your God? How big is your God? Is he big enough to take care of your needs? Is he big enough to take care of the sickness that has overwhelmed you and your family right now? Is he big enough to provide for a way when a door has just been closed? Big enough to give you wisdom as you face something that seems impossible? Big enough to change the heart of someone who you think is impossible. How big is your God? How big is your God? Second question, what is the thing? Think with me again, church. What is that thing that you looked at that thing and you said that's impossible? May have been in the past and may be going through it right now. What is that thing that you said, you looked at it and you said, that's impossible. It's never going to change. There's nothing I can do about it. Does the thing have a name? A person you say he or she is impossible. Someone you prayed for and talked to Jesus about and finally they've had enough and they tell you to your face, hey, just don't bring that Jesus thing with me anymore. Do you walk away saying that's impossible? What about the hurt? That still hurts. It's impossible to get rid of that hurt. Are you viewing it from your perspective or from God's perspective this morning? What about that addiction that you fought for, fought against for decades? It's an impossible situation. But with God, all things are possible. Honestly, church, do you really think he can't do it for you? Do you really think he can't do it for you when the Bible says nothing is impossible with God? Maybe a loved one who doesn't want anything to do with, you know, what you have to say. A husband, a wife, a kid, that's impossible. Really? Really? Do you think God... Just like, you know, whoa, I don't know. God doesn't put his hands up and say, I don't know what to do with this person anymore. No. You may do that. But with God, all things are possible. Let's hear it. With God, all things are possible. Don't quit praying. Don't give up. How big is your God? What is that one thing that you say right now is impossible? Remind yourself all things are possible. And the last thing. Are you going to say yes 
to God when he tells you to step out in faith, even though, even though it seems like an impossibility. How am I going to make it, God? How are things going to happen? How is it going to be okay for me, my kids, my family? How? I've just, you know, I've got this nice fishing business, and now you want me to give it all up and go chase after people who are going to beat me up and ultimately kill me upside down. That's impossible. That door's been closed for years. Take that step of faith. Are you willing to go in and try the impossible? Because you know, with God, all things are possible. Bow your heads with me this morning. Let me tell you, if you, you've read the word, you've read the Bible, you know every story that there is in, from cover to cover. But let me remind you today, don't quit. Don't look at God from your perspective and say, I give up, it's impossible. Look at God from his perspective and how he reveals himself through his word. And this morning he says, with God, all things are possible. Oh, please, I'm not talking about getting the new, newest car and the newest house and the newest phone. I'm not talking about it. Let's be real here. It's talking about doors that have been shut in your life. And you've given up saying it's impossible. It's hearts that are so hard you've given up. But he says it's, it's possible. It's lives that you've invested in, but all you've got from them is just cold, cold heart. You may think it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Now let me talk about you. You may think you are not good enough for God. It's impossible. If God, if people in church only knew everything that I've done or said or thought, welcome to the club. We're all in the same boat. It's not possible for God to love me. Let me remind you, with God, all things are possible. Don't quit on prayer. Be like that persistent widow because she knew all things are possible with God. Don't give up on people or don't give up on yourself that you're not good enough for God because with God, all things are possible. Now, you may feel insignificant like those kids. I'm nothing, God. I really am nothing. How can, how it blows my mind. I mean, I can't wrap my head around this. How can a God who created the universe and everything else, do you really think it's impossible for me to believe that God can care for me? Yes, He does care for you. Because with Him, all things are possible. God is going, calling you to take that step of faith. I don't know, giving up the comforts here to go to some remote village in India. I don't know. It's impossible, God. It's not impossible. All things are possible. If you are willing to be obedient and step out in faith according to what His Word says. You don't have to worry about how impossible the situation 
feels like or seems like and don't be overwhelmed by that remind yourself that God with God all things are possible As the music plays I want you church I encourage you implore you to think with me how big is your god how big is your god how big is your god this morning church your understanding of god determines the way you live your life your understanding of god needs to be from god and what he's revealed about himself through his word don't make god in your own image please don't make god that's what the world does right now making a god the way we think god ought, ought to be and not to act and and we throw in well if a god is a god of love why does he allow this to happen come on let god be god how big is your god now think with me what is that situation What is that situation in your life that you think it's impossible? I can't see any. I can't see how things are going to work out. Whether it be a person, whether it be something at work, whether it be a sickness and illness, whether it be a hurt that still hurts. I don't know if I can ever get over that. when you start saying it's impossible i want you to remember with god all things are possible last last little bit courage you Jesus told that rich man, you know, sell everything you have and come follow me. He's just asking, he's not asking you to go sell your money. What he wants is wholehearted devotion. If you're going to serve him, serve him. Yeah, it may seem impossible. You don't know how things are going to work out, but trust in him because with him all things are possible. All you got to do is listen and obey like Peter did. God, we've given up everything for you and Jesus says, "Hey, amazing how God doesn't rebuke Peter for his lack of faith there at all. He says you'll get so much more in eternal life. This morning I'm just here to remind you through God's word that nothing is impossible with him. Let's all stand to our feet and worship him for a few minutes.
that you will open the eyes of our hearts, open the eyes of our minds, that we will see you for who you really are as you have revealed yourself through the word. Lord, forgive me for the times that I have created a God to fit my own needs, to fit my own ideas. Forgive me for the times that I have limited how great you are. Church, with your eyes closed, I want you to do this. This is just for you. Say it to yourself so you hear it. With God, all things are possible. Please understand me. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm going to go play, be the new starting center of the Dallas Mavericks because with God, all things are possible. Let's be reasonable here. Don't limit God. Say to yourself, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Lord, you can mend a broken heart because with you, all things are possible. You can revive a dead marriage because with you, all things are possible. You can breathe life into relationships again because with you, all things are possible. You, Lord, with doors that have been closed, you can open because with God, all things are possible. 
God, if you call me to live by faith, I will live by faith because with God all things are possible, church. God, we thank you. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Because we serve a great and awesome and majestic God. Thank you. And as small as I am and as insignificant as I am, you chose me, God. You still love me. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful, God. Thank you, Lord. I pray, oh God, that you will remind us, oh God, today as we drive home tonight, as we sit around and have dinner, during the week when I'm driving to work, when I'm talking to a friend, you will remind me that with God all things are possible. May my heart and my mind meditate on that truth today, this week, and the days to come. Turn to someone next to you and tell them, with God, all things are possible. Remind yourself of that. With God, all things are possible. There's nothing too hard for our God. Amen.